I, uh, I was about to swear at the start, the first thing, and then I just was like, no, you're not supposed to swear, Aiden. That's the new rule. But I really want to, but I'm not going to. Jolly Stitches, our old Ambrose ghost. All right. Hey, what's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 13th of April, 2021. Hello. Uh, to any new listeners, thank you for listening. This is the podcast. Um, I think my girlfriend has stolen my warm jumper. And you know what? I just, I don't use the word nibnab lightly, but uh, this girl, she's a, she's a little nibnab, I reckon. <sighs> I'm very upset. It's cold. I've just had like a few coughs. Like, as in, I coughed a few times, and it was, like, the kind of cough that I was like, <clears throat> if I'm doing that in the world, people are going to think that I have COVID. And I just, I got one more week of goddamn shows, that's not a swear word, at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and I can't, I can't, I just can't get sick now, okay? I just don't have time to, I just can't do it. Ugh, I've got a lem sip. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's, you know what? That's actually just nice. So, oh, man. <clears throat> yeah, I think my girlfriend's stolen my nice warm jumper. Oh, <clears throat> infuriating. Um, It has been cold. The first few cold days I rode to work yesterday in the rain. Maybe that was it. I've been kind of feeling like a little bit sick for the last week. I thought I'd swerved it. Is what happened. I thought that I had like, you know, I was getting sick and then I just jammed my body full of fucking, oh, that's one. Come on, Aiden. You know what's the crazy thing about swearing is it just feels good to let that out. It's a little release valve. But what I'm learning in, yeah, what I'm learning in therapy with my therapist <clears throat> is that maybe much as much as crying is a way of venting emotion, so is getting angry either outwardly at others or inwardly at myself. And maybe, although some of those are preferable to others, you know, it's better to cry than it is to yell at someone. Still, all of those are a way of like venting the feeling and maybe it would be possible to sit with a feeling and not need to vent it and get rid of it and just sit with it and have it and experience it. Maybe, or maybe I just want to swear. I don't know. But anyway, oh, how do I feel? I feel a little bit tense. I, I just want my jumper back. I'm wearing another jumper, but it's just a second rate jumper. All right. So uh, if you're listening, I know you're not because she doesn't listen to the podcast. But if you are, you are, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a good week I've had some great shows People are excited about my show I've never had this experience before at a festival Where like People in the industry I guess I kind of have my first festival But not really to the extent that this festival People are at really like You know, people from the festival are coming on my show I did up late last night Oh my god, man I did up late, right I got um, I got an email on Thursday last week 
Oh, the Lemsip's still too hot. The the Lemsip is still too hot and it burns my mouth. I got an email last week on Thursday saying, hey, you picked you to do comedy up late, which is huge, huge, so exciting, so grateful, thankful, thank you. <laughs> um, I got the email and it was just like, this is crazy, you know, this is something that some of my friends have done, I've never done, I've always wanted to do, I've never been picked, I got picked, great. And, uh, I like was thinking about it, you know, and I knew straight away what, what, um, what story I was going, I was going to do my story about, uh, getting punched in the face by a lady on the train. It's probably my best story. Um, you have to send in, this is how legit it is. So it gets filmed for comedy festival, put it up on their YouTube, which is already massive. And then also, Audible are recording them for like an original series of like stand-up content on Audible um, because apparently they're trying to get a younger audience because at the moment a lot of old people listen to it. So they're trying to create a bunch of content, whatever. It's just, it's very exciting. And um, so it goes to like, there's the censor. You have to submit a script and then they say whether you can or can't say certain things. And the first big laugh in my bit about getting punched in the face by a lady on the train, which, by the way, man, all right, actually, I was going to talk about this last week and I didn't. This bit has just been, I guess it's my biggest bit at the moment. I've been doing it for like two years and it's, you know, it's the best bit that I've ever had. It just really is fun to do. And a few weeks ago, some friends of mine, who are comedy people, they're not comics, but they're comedy people, said that they had a problem with it because they thought that I was uh, promoting violence against women in this bit. Now, if you listen to this podcast and you haven't heard the bit, basically it's, I was on a train, there's a drunk lady, she's yelling at the staff, she attacks someone and uh, on the train, another woman on the train, and then I stand up trying to step in and, and defend this woman who's being attacked, and in the process of doing that, because I don't know how to fight, I get beaten up by this drunken lady. <clears throat> and there were a few lines in the bit that I guess were left over from when I first, because the whole bit started for me, like the week after it actually happened in 2018, I started doing it on stage, and the original funny thing in the bit was the idea that I as a man thought that I would be able to just step into this situation and be fine. And actually I wasn't. And I got beaten up by a woman and I was scared. The funny, the, the first laughs, I remember doing it for the first time at quick bites at uh, Boney in the city and getting a laugh when I said that I was scared because that's quite a vulnerable thing to admit. Hey, I went into this situation trying to be the savior and then it started happening and I realized I couldn't deal with it. I was over my head and I was scared of this woman. And, um, I guess as the bit developed, I started talking about, you know, I didn't even, I say, I I say I didn't even get the chance to hit her because people were saying to me, Oh, that's good that you didn't hit a woman. And I'm like, I didn't, not only did I not hit her, she's so beat me in the fight. I didn't even get a chance to hit her. I didn't even get a chance to decide whether it was going to be okay to hit her to defend myself. I didn't even get the chance, right? That's the line. And some friends of mine saw me do it at festival club and came up to me and said that they, they thought that it was me promoting violence against women. Like some people in the crowd might think, 
you know, if I did, the only reason I didn't hit her is because I didn't get the chance and I, that I would have. And I, I, um, I appreciated them coming up to me and, you know, with that, because it's to have someone, I guess I've been talking about this a little bit about how, when people have a problem, it really, I really don't like if people have a problem with me and they don't say it, that there's no communication that really stresses me out. And then I start imagining what they think and why they wouldn't say it. It's like, they don't respect me enough to come to me with the thing. So I really appreciated that my friends were willing to talk about that. However, you could sense that there was a butt coming there, couldn't you? I, uh, I didn't think, I didn't appreciate that it felt like they were almost ignoring the fact of what I did in the story. Like the story I'm telling, they were looking at the way I was telling the story rather than the story itself. Because the story itself is I try and defend someone who's being attacked. And yeah, I, okay, maybe I tell it in a way that some people could interpret as like he's he thinks it's cool to hit women and I think it's cool to hit women and this guy agrees with me, you know? Like maybe if there's someone in the audience who thinks it's cool to hit women and they hear that, they might go, ha, 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 awesome, yeah, I agree with this guy. And so you know what? I've changed the wording of the bit to take that wording out because I don't want people to think that. I don't want people to think that I think it's cool to hit women because it's not. It's it's fucked. You shouldn't do it. I don't think you should hit anyone. I don't think that you should ever hit a person at all. And I think if you know how to fight from what I... I don't know how to fight, but from what I can tell, people who learn how to fight, they learn about striking, but they also learn about just holds and grappling people. And that's the way that you should go into it is like just submit someone if you can wrap them up and not actually hurt them, but just get them so that they're not going to hit anyone else. That's the way that you want to do it. Whatever. I don't I don't know about fighting. Have I sworn yet? Oh, golly. Remember if I swear on the podcast. <laughs> Remember, guys, if I swear on the podcast and you notice and it's $5 to you. Um, I don't know why I did that in American accent and I didn't enjoy it, actually. Um, but that is the bet. That bet stands. If you guys catch me swearing and I don't catch myself and you're the first person to message me, I'll send you $5. All right. So if I've sworn and you've caught it, well, fucking good for you, mate. That's two for the podcast. So far. let me do a little strike. I'll keep my tally up. That's two so far. So, um, let me take another little lem sip here. Yeah, so I, I don't want that ambiguity in the bit. I want to be sure that I'm not allowing people to laugh at the idea of hitting a woman because that's not the joke. The joke of the story is that I tried to help and I didn't actually know how to help, but I stepped in thinking that I could and I was I, I suffered because of that. And, um, I guess where my like feelings towards my friends coming up to me and saying, Hey, we think this, I felt like they weren't acknowledging the actual thing that I did. And I talked about my, I talked about it with my girlfriend as well. And, and I felt the same thing from her that she was saying, you know, you shouldn't say it like this. And I'm like, okay, I hear that. Yes. You have to be very careful when you're having these conversations. I hear you. You are heard. I appreciate your, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) so emotionally charged when you talk about things that two people care about, you know, you got to be very careful. 
So I'm making a point of trying to say like, yes, I appreciate that and thank you and I'll try and work on that in the bit. However, I would like to add that it just feels like I'm telling this story about something scary that happened to me. And at the end of the story, I talk about one of the guys working for the train company coming up to me and saying, thank you for what I did. And I kind of feel like no one who has come up to me with any criticism of the bit has taken a moment to go like, hey man, but it's really cool that you stood up to protect someone or try and protect someone who was being assaulted on a train. And that, I guess, just kind of grates with me because it's like, yeah, all right, I'm telling the story and maybe I could tell it better and be more sensitive about other people's shit. But can I get some, can I get some credit for the thing that I actually did in the moment? Can I? Do I get any credit for that? That makes me really angry. It's like everything that I do, every step of the way when I try and do the right thing, people want more. And it's like, can I get some credit for the amount that I did, please? Anyway, I didn't talk about that last week. Uh, I guess I was scared or I don't know. I, didn't, well, I still felt like there was something that I wanted to talk about. Anyway, so that bit... I'm very aware now that as much as I'm talking about it and voicing criticisms that I've had, it sounds like it's a bit that's being very controversial or whatever. It's not. I've had a conversation with my girlfriend who has also said, hey, I like the bit, but this, and then those two friends of mine, everyone else, you know, there was one guy two years ago who stood up and went, and I think he was just a a douche. (sighs) So I do that bit on Uplate last night. And the first line in the bit, and I'm going to swear here, is when uh, the first big laugh is when um, this drunk lady is being aggressive to the woman who she ends up fighting. And the woman who she ends up fighting says, sit down, you stupid cunt. And it gets a big laugh because it's like, oh my God, this woman is saying that it's such a hectic thing. Three, I'll put a strike down. Three. Such a hectic thing and uh, the word always jumps out at people and I think just makes people laugh in shock. It's like, whoa, she said that? You know. And uh, it really is the ignition at the start of the bit that gets everyone laughing and then there's a lot of jokes after that. And when I sent my script to the censor, and this is like a six-minute story, this was the main thing that I'm going to do on Uplate, my first time doing something that's recorded for the comedy festival – And the guy said, you can't use that word. And I'm like, ugh. And I knew, I kind of had a feeling that that was going to happen. But I'm still, it's just, I'm annoyed that you can't say it. I am. Um, It's not, I mean, it's still, I'm very grateful to be on their platform. And it's their platform. It's up to whoever puts the thing together. They did the work to make it. So if I want to be a part of it, I have to play by their rules. Sure. But also, why the rules? I kind of felt a little bit of like chagrin maybe is the best word at the idea that this guy, I asked him who made up that rule in a, you know, I was still like, Hey, thanks for this. And I appreciate it. And yeah, I'm happy to work around it, but out of interest, who's the person who is dictating this rule. And he was like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just the instructions I got. And I'm like, you know, it's never, I would love to have a conversation with whoever, made that rule up and just go, Hey, what's the deal with that? Why? What, you know, why? Just why? 
does do people really have a problem with that word and used in that context? Like, it's just a hard fight. You can never use it. Like, oh, what if I'm reporting back that someone said that word? You know, or can I just talk about the use of that? I just the censorship stuff is so silly, and it just comes from people that are scared. And it's like, I guess the fear is, well, we don't trust that you're going to talk about it in a way that is sensitive to you know whatever our issues are with it. You know, we're scared that you're going to use it in a way that's irresponsible. So rather than check how you're going to use it, we're just going to have a blanket rule where it's like you can't use it. But my problem with censorship is always if you don't trust how the person's going to use it, if you don't have like if you don't have faith in them to be responsible with the way that they talk, then why are you inviting them onto your platform? You know, like if you're scared that I'm going to use a certain word to say something that you don't agree with and scared enough that you're going to just go, don't use that word because we're not sure that you're going to use it in an appropriate way. I could say inappropriate stuff without saying any of these words. You know, like if you don't trust me, then all right, great. You know, sure, that's a bummer, but don't trust me. Don't just go, hey, you can't say these words and then let me try and figure out whatever awful thing I'm going to try and say just without those words. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? If I'm going to say the word, if I'm going to say something awful, I'm going to say it with or without the word cunt. Four. Yeah. Oh, God. Left-handed. Four. So... Who cares? Just let me say my stupid bit, I reckon. That's how I feel. But anyway, I took it out. Um, and you know what? Maybe the way that I ended up getting around it after taking it out was more fun. Maybe it is more fun. What I did was I said on stage, and I guess I've never been on TV before, so I'm kind of... It's not even TV. I've been saying it's TV. It's not TV. It's the Comedy Festival page on YouTube, which is vastly different to TV. But it's still very cool. I'm really excited to be on that. But um, the way that I ended up getting around and I checked it and he was cool with it, which is great. I like appreciate that they were cool with me doing a little cheeky work around. I said um, when I was on stage, like, hey, guys, the next story has a word in it. I'm not allowed to say that word, but it's the C word. You know the word I'm talking about. So when I get to that point when someone says it, rather than me saying it, I'm just going to go, whatever. I'm just going to make a sound and you're going to know that that word is what she said. And then I told the story and then I got to that bit and I was like, sit down, you stupid. And they laughed. They kind of delayed for a second and they realized what was going on and then they laughed and it was fun. And then I told the rest of the story and whatever. I had a great time on stage. It was a lot of fun. Thank you to the Melbourne Comedy Festival and Audible and all the people involved with that. I don't want to be ungrateful. But I also, it's annoying to have to censor myself. But you know what? It's all part of my journey. <laughs> God. This is, <laughs> you know what's really part of my journey? Is trying to navigate my entitlement and bitterness around, <laughs> like, feeling like I should be further along in comedy than what I am. But then also the humility that's been punched into me through 10 years of doing this and actually being aware of the fact that I am as far along as I deserve to be. 
I'm not owed any more than where I am. I'm not even owed where I am. I'm very lucky to be where I am. And so I should just shut up and say thank you for the stuff that I get. There's that intellectual knowledge that I have. And then the deeper feeling that I have, which is like, why don't people just see that I'm a genius and give me all the things that I deserve? And there's always a fight between those two things. And I'm trying to acknowledge the deep feeling that I have so that I'm not lying to myself, but I'm also trying to acknowledge that I understand that that feeling is not necessarily correct in reality and be grateful for the people who are giving me things and appreciating me for what I do. Oh, God. What an absolute jumble of garbage. What am I... If if you're new to the podcast and you're still listening, thank you. (laughs) This is it. Mm, 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 mm. Yum. The picture this week, the image for the podcast at Sitting Under Podcast on Instagram is going to be uh, my sellout crowd. Oof. Friday night, restrictions went up. In Victoria, we're allowed to have 100% capacity at events under 1,000 seats now. So my capacity of my room went from 51 to, drumroll, 69. Oh, yes. Oh, baby. So that was exciting. And before the show, like I had 69 in and I took a photo of the crowd. And you know what? I realized something about Saturday night crowds. I've never really understood why, but sometimes I always thought it was just maybe a big audience and I'm not used to big audiences. I don't think it is. It's Saturday night. The reason the audiences are larger is because more people are out at a festival, but there are the same amount of shows on. So there's a fixed capacity, more people out, more people buy tickets to shows, big shows sell out and the rising tide lifts old boats there's more people around so the smaller shows or lesser known comics like like myself such as whom of of which i am one <laughs> that's, that's my robotic humility there of which i am one a smaller act thank you <laughs> um those people, it's like a runoff, right? So the people that can't get into the big shows, they're still looking for a show. They come and see my show and it's a Saturday night. There's more pressure on them. This is their night out. All right, we really hope that this thing that we've picked is good. So a larger proportion of my audience on a Saturday night is people who don't know me, have no idea of what the show's about to be and they're naturally skeptical. Whereas midweek, the, the audience is smaller And so there's a larger proportion of people who kind of have a vague idea of what they're about to see. Or maybe a few of them have seen me before. There's more goodwill in the room before the show has even started. So on Saturday night, I... The crowd was bigger, but there was it was a more skeptical overall crowd of what was about to happen, and I didn't treat it differently. I just went on with the the energy of, like, this is going to be sick, and I guess I just didn't do a good enough job of making sure that they felt like what was going to happen in the show was like, you know, like giving them confidence that it was going to be a good show. I just launched straight into the show. And if I start saying things in the show that aren't necessarily like, I don't know, like maybe if you're a bit skeptical about me and then I say something that's kind of wild, you you know, it's like a, it could go either way. And on Saturday night, I reckon it went 
the other way it went like, oh, he's saying that. Oh, now I'm really not sure about how this is going to go. Whereas if people like me and they hear me say something that could go either way, then it's like, oh, yes, this is great. Of course he would say that. We trust him and so we can just see that that thing's fun. Do you know what I mean? So basically I didn't have a good set on Saturday night. I didn't enjoy the thing. If you're listening and you were at that show... Thank you for listening. Because it's wild, man, because I still... People left. I guess the, the audience were just quiet. Maybe it's not... I didn't enjoy it because the audience were quiet and I didn't feel like there was a lot of energy in the room. But when people were leaving, they were very complimentary and they said, you know, that was great and no, no, no. So I guess people still enjoyed the show, but it just wasn't a loud audience. I don't quite understand what the thing is, but... um, Yeah. I'd like to work on on Saturday night crowds, making everyone feel more comfortable about what they're about to see before I just launch into the show as a whole. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the the picture this week is I took a photo of the crowd and they're all smiling. They don't realize (laughs) they're about to see something that is fine. Um, Friday night was a tough show too, but I feel like I was kind of ready for that. And I worked hard and fought for them. And by the end, I feel like I really had them. Whereas Saturday night, I was ready for it to be great. Maybe a little kind of arrogantly was like, this is going to be sick. And then when it wasn't, I wasn't ready to dig my heels in and fight. So it wasn't as good. Um, What other things am I going to say? No swearing, blah, blah, blah. I've got a new story. Um, Let me try this. I want to talk about this on stage. I think this is just funny. So the other night, um, one of the, um, oh, my door girl, Olivia, big shout outs to Olivia, who's um, just the main chick on the door, holding it down in my room all month. She is so awesome, um, just doing a phenomenal job. And uh, Georgina and Emily as well, but Olivia is like, she's a superstar, man. Um Am I allowed to say their names? I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, she wasn't there. So I had this other girl. She, like, took the night off. So I had this other girl on the door, and she hadn't seen my show. And after the show, she's young. She's, like, 21. And after the show, she was like, oh, um," because I talk a bit about school. And she was like, oh, you mentioned you, you went to Emmanuel College. I went to Emmanuel College. And I'm like, crazy, amazing what year did you graduate? She's like 2017. I'm like, oh, I graduated in 2008. That kind of hit me that she graduated nine years after than me and she is still old enough to be out in the world doing stuff. I'm like, that makes me feel kind of old, whatever. And we start talking about teachers. I'm like, is this teacher still there? Is that teacher still there? And I'm like, oh, do you know my friend? I say my friend's name because I reckon she's a teacher at Emmanuel College. And she's like, oh, like Miss blah, 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 the last name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, I'm like, man, that's crazy because, um, you know, like that was my friend. She was in my year and I said, I used to have a crush on her all through school. I just like had the biggest crush on her and, and um, this girl's like, well, wow, that's pretty weird. You had a crush on Miss blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. And uh, anyway... We're like, oh, that's cool. We have a bit of a laugh about we went to the same school. And then I leave. I message my friend and I go, hey, do you know this girl? Say her name. 
because um yeah you taught her at Emmanuel College and I'm just talking about you and she's like what I I don't teach at Emmanuel College man I teach at this other school I've never taught at Emmanuel College my maybe she's maybe she's thinking of my mum my mum teaches at Emmanuel College and I'm like oof and by this point I've left and I immediately realize that this girl that I was talking to thought that I was saying that I had a crush on this like 50 year old woman all the way that I was through school. And she didn't say anything either. She didn't say like, Oh, that's pretty weird. I guess she kind of did, but the, just the information was never there. And now I'm remembering all the stuff that I said about like, yeah, we used to go to Macca's after school all the time. And I would just like sit there and be like, you know, like just staring at her, but I was scared to say anything because I was a pussy. And now I'm realizing this girl was imagining me going to McDonald's with a 50 year old woman after school. And I'm like 15. <laughs> and I said that we got banned from that Macca's for shooting spitballs over the counter. And she's imagining like a, a fully grown adult woman doing that. And, and I said, I like wrote about her in my journal, <laughs> the whole thing. And, um, I then also, because I was talking to my mate and she'd just given me that bit of information that unlocked the story. I then super embarrassing had to admit to my mate that I had a crush on her in school, which was never like a thing that we'd talked about. And I just, you know, that felt weird. I was like, Hey man, how funny is this? I told this girl that I had a crush on you and she laughed, but that felt weird to me that I'm like admitting you don't talk about, you know, to your high school crush that you had a crush on them. It was a very bizarre experience. And then I eventually, the girl that I've had the misunderstanding with today, I like messaged her and I was like, by the way, this and sent her the screenshots to clear the whole thing up, whatever. What's the interesting part of that story? I think the embarrassing part of that story is that I had to, because the thing was so funny, I had to admit to my friend that I'd had a crush on her in school. Because I don't want to admit that. Because as like as much as, okay, it's fine, we all have crushes on people in school, it's kind of embarrassing that I still remember, you know? It's like, I had a crush on you in school, and it's like, well, do you still have a crush on me now, mate, you weirdo? No. And I don't want to be like, no, I don't. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, you didn't then either, apparently. So there's no way to be like, no, I don't. But... <laughs> And it's like, you know, we're not in each other's lives. She's in Adelaide. She like has a partner <laughs> and I have a girlfriend. It's like, I'm not trying to hit on you, man. All right. I'm not. It's a funny story. <laughs> but if I was her boyfriend, I'd be like, why is this dude talking to you and saying that he had a, that he had a crush on you in school? That's weird. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to bring up, you know? <laughs> yeah that's the funny part of the bit that's what i need to zero in on if i'm going to do it on stage i reckon like if i'm if i'm her boyfriend i'm like i am i would be very uncomfortable that you're talking to this guy and he's saying he had a crush on you and i mean she did very well just to not zero in on that at all and just laugh at the funny thing so yeah, there's still it, it, having a crush on someone is weird. It lasts. It just you know what? <laughs> because the journal entry that I was talking about with the young girl was like, 
I kept a journal every day from age 14 to 19. And I always remember, because I'm a nostalgic person, that even when I was like 18, I would go back and read the first entry of my first journal. I don't know where they are now, but the first entry, I remember the first thing that I wrote, it was like uh, something like, this will probably be my only entry. And that was like the first line. And then the second line was like, still love the probs always will. That was the first real actual thing that I wrote in my journal. You know what? I'm probably going to use her name when I tell the story on stage, whatever. But uh, yeah, and it's funny to think that that still love, but probs always will. Like that was childhood naivety. Like obviously I'm not in love with her now, but oh, this is so weird to talk about. Like I don't, you know, like I just... She's an old friend who I never see and it's fine. I'm, I'm not in love with her. I don't want to, I don't want to be with her. <laughs> I don't. But <laughs> those feelings when you're like a kid and you're first remembering what it's like to like be infatuated with someone, that feeling is still there. That feeling of like, oh my God, you know, yearning or whatever it is. It's not the person, but the, it's the feeling and it's nostalgia for that feeling is still there. And that is awkward to talk about with the person who was at the time the object of that feeling. And that's why it was embarrassing for me to admit that to my friend. Anyway, um, I think we're almost done here. I'm going to go back to something that I missed last week. The Australian yarn. Let's do a story. Let's see if we can glean... A little bit of, if you've missed this, The Australian Yarn is this book that I found in a country bookshop that was just floor to ceiling full of uh, just the most insane literature. I couldn't really find much that I actually wanted to take home in there, but I found this, The Australian Yarn, and it's a book of stories that some guy collected from pretty much just working class men in uh, it seems mostly like Cairns, like far north Queensland kind of area. So uh, a particular kind of man, I guess. And uh, these are their stories that this man has collected and compiled in this one book. I want to try and find, not livelihood, human life, love and sex. Let's find that. I mean, that's maybe, um, no, maybe like child. Is there one about childhood? Childhood behavior, eccentric behavior, events, the spoken word, nature. Nah, let's go courtship and marriage. Let's see if we can learn anything about courtship from the uh, the old yarn man of Australia. Page 91. Sorry, I'm doing this with one hand. I'm fucking really struggling through opening this book. Here we go. Courtship and marriage. Whoa, wrong trousers and wrong trousers French version. That's fun. Let's do this one. Bridge patrol in courtship and marriage. Is this going to be courtship and marriage? Oh, God, there's one called Chinese trouble. <laughs> nah, let's not. I'll do wrong trousers. <laughs> Fucking, there's some of these, these stories are crook as hell. Oh, by the way, I did say F and hell, didn't I? Ah, I caught it. You thought you were going to make five bucks. Um, all right, whatever. Give me the timestamp. If you catch it, give me the timestamp so I can go and check so I know you're not a liar. All right, wrong trousers. I don't know whether you know anything about coal mining, but according to the act, when you have a missed shot due to a faulty fuse or a detonator that doesn't go off, you have to report the matter to the deputy. 
The deputy's the man that goes around checking. He represents the management. They then put some logs across or props and chalk it and chalk on it miss shot. They always carry some chalk for various reasons and away they go home. This was the days of the night shift. This was a true yarn. It was told to me by a girl. There was a miss shot in the mine and this fellow went home much earlier than usual. He arrived home and had his wash. In the old coal mining houses, there was always hot water on the hobs for the coming off shift to have a tub. He had his bath and he sneaked quietly into the bedroom. As he opened the door, his wife was suddenly aware of his presence and set up a cry that she was ill. There weren't many telephones about then. She asked him to run to the pub and get some brandy. So he grabbed a pair of pants. He was only in his shirt and knocked up the publican and got the brandy and said, Oh, I'll have to pay for this. He put his hand in his pocket and there was a £10 note. And then he realised that he had someone else's trousers. A girl told me that. And I was new in the place and I got acquainted with this girl and we would go out talking together. She said, see that house there? She told me that story. This was before the war. Before the first war. What? I don't understand that. Okay, there's another. I've got to read the other version. I don't really understand what's going on. What's happened there? There was a missed shot. Some logs across and props that they call miss shot. The fuse that detonator doesn't go off. It's called a miss shot. All right. And then they chalk on the thing miss shot. So some girl told this guy that a fellow went home and there was some pants in his thing and they were different pants to what his pants were. Okay. Here's wrong trousers in brackets, French version. Later I heard a similar tale while in Namia. Dolph Nichols told me. His father was a mining engineer of some kind in New Caledonia. France does not have many miners, and when nickel and chrome and cobalt became matters of interest, most of their miners came from Australia and England. Dolph's father was a mining engineer, and he worked for various mining companies there. This is the yarn that he told me. It sounds better in French. The whole Nichols family spoke French. A fellow worked for the nickel company, and the nickel company gave smelters... Have you been to Namia? Uh, and the nickel company have smelters. Have you been to Namia? Okay. A place you ought to go, a petite Paris. The smelters were near the Latin Quarter, somewhere out that way anyhow. I've been past them many times. This fellow was working for the nickel company and there was a breakdown in the plant. And they sent them all home until the experts got to work and got things fixed up. So when he got home, he had his wash... I suppose there was warm water there for him. There was no electricity in Namia then. There was only the gas. He had his wash and he crept into the bedroom and his wife, as soon as she was aware that he'd come in, she set up a cry that she was very ill and he must go to the chemist. The fellow grabbed a pair of pants and went over and knocked up the chemist. The chemist opened the shop and turned the gas light on and said, Ah, you've joined up again, have you? And in the artillery this time. Of course, all the bloody French hate this military training, but they've got, but they've all got to go through it. And he had, and he had the red trousers on. Namia is a garrison town, and the artillery unit wear red trousers. Okay, right. So what I understand what's happened now. The missus has gone. Oh, I'm really sick. You need to go and get me a thing. And then the guy puts some trousers on and realizes that they're someone else's trousers. There's a man in his missus's bed. How funny his wife is having sex with another man 
In the first story, it's a man with 10 pounds. And in the second story, it's a man from the French artillery. In both cases, that's funny. Note, an interesting example of an informant being aware of two versions of what is obviously a recurring yarn. He had heard the first version before 1914, the second sometime in the 1920s. Both had been told as true happenings. All right, so it's just like a repeated tale. I guess this is interesting, man. Like, obviously, these stories aren't that funny. (laughs) And here I am telling them on the podcast. But I was talking to someone the other day, um, Dane Simpson, great comic from Wagga Wagga. And I was talking about how uh, he's indigenous. And uh, sometimes I... uh, like to i'll just go on google maps and i'll just try and find a remote place i don't know something about just like you know seeing a place in the middle of nowhere and it's like whoa look at that place and the other day i was doing that and i found this tiny ass town in the northern territory and there was um the symbol for like art so i click on this art, and it's just like there's no town there's just an art gallery and i click on it and i go to the website and it's all these indigenous people um, pictures of each artist, they're all indigenous and they've all, and then there's like their art, you know? And I'm like, oh, cool. I can see what their art is like. And I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the way that, uh, you can see what people really care about based on the art that they do and the things that they create. And, um, there were two things that intrigued me about it. First of all, there was a note on the site that said all of our artists have made have agreed together to not depict any of the dreaming stories, their dreaming stories in their art. And I asked Dane about that and we're talking about that. But the other thing that was really interesting was all of their art, none of it had people or characters in it. It was all just the land. And that showed me that what, that it was interesting to, to understand from that, that what these people really care about, the thing that they see the most and the way that they see the world is the land. That's what they care about is their land and their country. And, um, I guess that just helped me understand a little bit more of the, the mindset of these people. Cause I would never, I guess I'd take pictures sometimes of nice scenery, but for me, it's more about people. And so it's like, that shows you that they see the land as more important than the people and the people are transient in the land. Whereas I see people as more important and the land serves the people different worldviews. Interesting. So what you get from these stories is these guys are telling stories and a story that's gone around their community in these like working class communities from when were those stories? Let's go back to that. 19, page 91, taped 1972, 1891. So these stories, that was taped in 1972, but these stories were heard before the First World War and after the First World War. So these guys, what they cared about, a story that was really interesting and funny to them was a man coming home from work and then being sent away and his wife being able to like cheekily hide the fact that she'd been sleeping with another man. What does that tell us about these men? It tells us that they were scared that their women were going to cheat on them. It tells us that they were protective of their women. It tells us that they maybe saw their women as like, you got to try and stop her from cheating on you, that there's this weird opposition between them. Isn't that interesting? That that's a story that went round. Everyone repeated that story. If my mate came home and 
what would I do if if I had a friend who told me a story about someone coming home and then finding out that the, that 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 guy's girlfriend had been sleeping with another man? Would I find that funny? I don't know. I don't really know that I have an answer to this. This is all speculation, but isn't it interesting speculation? I think that's the podcast for this week, man. What does that tell us about? What the fuck was I talking about before? Six. Damn it. I was talking about, I don't know. Oh, love. Oh, that's right. And my friend in school. Well, I never had the guts to tell her that I was in love with her, so she never got to cheat on me. It really doesn't have anything to do with the Australian yarn. I'm running out of steam. i got to end this podcast. That's it. Thank you guys very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones. Oh, no, I want to I, I, no, I sit in it for a second. I want to sit in the uncertainty for a second and try and figure out what do I care about in terms of cheating. I'm scared that someone would cheat on me. I am scared that someone would cheat on me. I'm very scared of that, that I would give myself to someone. Maybe it tells me that these guys weren't that different to me after all. I reckon if someone did... I mean, I do know someone who was cheated on, and I have told people that story. I have. And it's not really my story, but sometimes I do. I just go, oh, you know, I was there when this thing happened this time, and it was crazy, and it... You know, I saw how much that hurt my friend firsthand. You know what? Maybe those stories, I'm shitting on this book. Oh, these guys are so sexist and racist. And they are, some of these stories. But that one, maybe that does speak to something across time. These guys telling that story of the man. All right, all right, here it is. Here it is. Okay, okay. This this is going to be a long podcast. That story that I told about me getting punched in the face by a lady on the train, I almost ended it there, didn't I? I almost bailed out like a coward. That story about the, that I tell about me getting punched in the face by a lady on the train, I use that story in stand-up to get laughs. And I laugh about the fact that I was scared of that woman hitting me. I was scared. Now, what I realized in having my friends come up to me and tell me that they were upset by the way that I told it, And then I realized by having the conversation with my girlfriend, what I realized in having those conversations and being challenged on the way that I tell the story, I realized that I actually care a lot more than I let on on stage about the thing that happened to me. I was scared when I got punched by that drunk lady and I, like it, it was a scary thing that happened. It hurt and I wanted to be recognized. And I was upset. I feel upset when people don't recognize what I feel is the sacrifice that I made or the thing that I did in trying to do the right thing. You know, like what I was saying at the start of this podcast, I want people to recognize, okay, maybe I don't tell the story in the perfect way. Yes, I'll try and work on that. But I would like people to appreciate that I defended someone and that was really scary. Now... um, that's something that I care about and I'm using, so I'm, I'm using comedy and I'm laughter to mask the fact that there's some pain there. Now, these guys, a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, first world war, these guys telling this story about a minor coming home from a, uh, from work and then his wife in bed starts saying that she's sick and he goes, all right, I'll go and get some stuff, puts on some pants, goes to the pub, finds some money in the pants and in that moment realizes these aren't my pants. 
And then there's another story where they're artillery pants instead of money. Whatever. It's the guy later realizing that these aren't my pants. They must be the guy's pants who was in that room with my wife. Oh my God, my wife's cheating on me. Now, the reason that all these guys are telling that story and the reason that they're laughing at it is because they're masking the insecurity of what if I go to work and my wife cheats on me? That's scary for them. They're going to work. They're doing something that's hard. The work maybe a hundred years ago was as scary to them as me getting punched in the face. It sucked going to work in the mines. That was an awful thing. They were working all day and it was really hard on their bodies. And, and they were like, you know, it would have sucked that they had to do that. And then to come home and find your wife who is supposed to love you and support you when you do this thing for both of you to make money so that you can both live. She's betraying that sacrifice that you're making by sleeping with another man. That would have really hurt. That would have been really scary that you put, because what they're doing is they're going away and they're trusting their wife to be faithful to them while they go away and earn money for both of them. Because that was the kind of time when women didn't work and the men worked for both people. And the scariest thing in the world would have been for that woman to betray that by sleeping with another man. Wow. Like that's what it was about. The man uses his body to go and work. The woman uses her body to have kids. That was the transaction. And so I guess the reason those guys told that story and all laughed at it was because deep down they were all so fucking scared. Seven. <laughs> they were all so scared. That there was going to be betrayed. Wow. I just learned something. I just learned something from the book Australian Yarn that I found in the country that I've been making fun of for the last month and a half. But there it is. People using humor and stories to mask their own fear. That is the podcast. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace. God damn it.